This episode of Ragcast Outdoors is brought to you by PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Fish on! Hey, Radcast is on! Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. Here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Radcast Outdoors. David and I are here at the Wyoming Outdoor Weekend in Lander, Wyoming, having a good time and getting to hang out with some fun people today. Yeah, we well, guys are on the road and we're visible. So if you're uh, in town, this is our second annual time coming to this event. So you should definitely swing by, check it out, stop on with cool vendors here, cool products hanging out. So. Yep, and we ran into my buddy John. John is our local game warden for the Riverton area. And just to tell a little backstory, he and I have been talking about the Riverton Rendezvous Ponds for a couple of years now, talking about how to make it a more enjoyable experience for the kids that come. And so he called me a couple of weeks ago. Right. And was like, hey, any chance you want to partner on that idea, cleaning up the ponds? And I said, yes. And so John again welcome to the show and thanks for calling me to suggest it yeah thanks for having me um listen to you guys all the time so i appreciate it but um yeah about the rendezvous ponds i think it's a great place where families can go and fish you know we stock it every year with trout and catfish every now and then so our goal is to really get it cleaned up um, before the free fishing day which is june 3rd so this will be the week before the free fishing day so we're hoping to go out have some volunteers have some game and fish personnel and then partner with you guys radcast and get it trash cleaned up um so yeah we're really excited to, to get that done Bring in Radcast, clean up the trash, right? Right. Is yep, that the goal? Yep. That's, the kind, that's what you guys are like. <laughs> we take care of the trash and take it out. We've harped on this podcast a dozen times about, you know, the, the standard I trash, the fishing hole is now the Monster Energy, the worm container, and usually Marlboro cigarettes. It's if, usually me leaving all that stuff, to be honest. Oh, okay. Well, you know. Quit uh, as teach you, you know, teach you the lesson, John. That's right. You know. But in all seriousness, like the rendezvous ponds are a great place. They've got, so just so people know, you can catch trout, catfish, like you've mentioned, but there's also carp, largemouth bass, sunfish, perch, all kinds of stuff in there. So it's really fun for the kids. And it happens every year on free fishing day, which this year happens to be June 3rd. And so people can come fish. Have a good time. The Kiwanis Club of Riverton puts on a nice little lunch for the kids. Game and Fish is there helping with rods and reels and just, you know, engaging the public, which is, it's it's a really fun event. And my kids always look forward to it, you know, just getting to go out and do a little bit of competition, but having a good time. And so, I mean, what's been your experience coming in and getting to participate in that? Yeah, it's really rewarding, you know. I- the first time I was asked, I was kind of nervous, you know, didn't know what it was going to be like, but just seeing all the kids get really excited, catching maybe even their first fish, you know, out mm-hmm. there and getting their own fishing rod. It's just, we're very thankful for the Kiwanis Club to put that on I mean, and let us take part in it too. And I can talk more about the event, the cleanup event yeah, too, absolutely. if that's okay. Yep. It'll be on May 27th um, from 9am to 12pm. Um, and we'll, 
the Game and Fish will provide uh, lunch afterwards. Um, and then everything will be provided as far as gloves and, and trash bags, all that kind of stuff. And big shout out to Wyoming Waste Systems for providing a, a, dump, a roll-off dumpster for a, us to dispose of our trash too. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited about it. So Yeah, and we, on the Radcast site, so if you go to radcastoutdoors.com, you can sign up for the event. We do need your sign up by the 25th. That's That way we can figure out how much we need for lunch, trash bags, gloves, all the things. But we did also get a nice rod and reel combo, a whole bunch of fishing lures. We're going to give those away to somebody, you know, that shows up to the event and who's registered online. So we're, we'll do a drawing. It's a really nice setup. So yep. if, if, if you want a chance to win that, sign up and show up. Right. And help us out. Yep. So Should be good. What do you think the biggest priority is, you know, as far as that area? What are some of the biggest things that we're going to be focused on cleaning up besides, obviously, the worm containers and stuff like that? Yeah. Unfortunately, it does get trashed a lot. Um, I just don't think people realize, like, how great of a place it could be for families. And so I think it's kind of a downward spiral where then families don't go out there because there's trash and then you get people that don't care about the the area as much so so they just kind of leave behind a mess so yeah um, yeah I and guess it's be not, interesting to see <laughs> and it's not just a popular area for fishermen right i mean it's it's a popular area for people who want to walk their dogs or just right. go for a walk yeah so nice if you're, you don't have to be interested in fishing to come clean up, you know, it could be birders or like you said, people walking their dog. Anybody's welcome to, to sign up and come and help us out. We'd appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So. No, that is a really good case in point is it? it's easy access, right? It's multiple recreation use. It's not just, you know, the fishing spot. And there's, is there better fishing spots in the state? Certainly. But if you're taking little kids for a Sunday picnic and want to, try and cast a bobber and a worm out catch fish it's a great spot so yeah obviously if you're local you need to sign up come participate and i i perceive this won't be the last of these events that we we partner up and do but if you're out of state out of the area look around talk to your local game and fish find another area region there these go on all over the place so get involved get volunteer and help out another event yeah because sure. it's it's really easy to complain about it but it's a whole nother level to show up and do something about it and that's why i appreciate you you know giving me the call and being like hey can we do this because it's boots on the ground it's stewardship and action right that actually changes behaviors going forward right and so i think it's going to be an awesome deal but yeah but yeah, thanks for, again, thanks for making time to come on the podcast, but you also are a game warden. <laughs> Sometimes. And so, <laughs> which, is, which is an insanely busy job. I think right. a lot of people, including myself, like when I was growing up, I was like, I want to be a game warden. And then I followed a game yep. warden around and found out that that wasn't exactly what I had in mind. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what's, what's day-to-day for a game warden? That's funny you say that. When I was in school, I didn't want to be a game warden, but <laughs> I tell you the draw to Wyoming is just the variety variety of duty of duties I get to you know I'm tasked with so I obviously I do law enforcement you know I'm tasked with protecting our wildlife species but it's a lot more than that you know I'm out here this weekend participating in the Lander uh, Wyoming Outdoor Weekend I love that kind of stuff hunter education all that public relations stuff is a is a big part of my job and probably my favorite part Um, and also get to um, do a lot of wildlife surveys you know we're doing sage grouse surveys this time of year and then the fall we do antelope classifications so we're doing population estimates and and i love all that kind of stuff so it really drew me to be a game warden in wyoming so then i guess day to day is is 
it's different every day, which is good for me because I have the attention span of a hamster. So um, <laughs> it's good for me to have something different every day. So it's just really dependent on the time of year. You know, obviously mm-hmm. the fall is that's when we're busiest and that's our moneymaker. You know, we're out there doing working way too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and talking to hunters and checking hunters and licenses and all that stuff. But you know, we also do watercraft enforcement on on our reservoirs in the summer and fishing in the summer and. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's always something different every day. So it's it's pretty fun, though. So I have to ask this question. If someone were to come to you and say, hey, I want to be a game warden someday, do you, like, encourage them <laughs> in that or do you discourage them? I usually say, them? well, do you like hunting? Then you probably shouldn't be a game warden. <laughs> and that was the answer I got was, you know, when I was talking about being a game warden, I'm like, man, it'd be really cool to be out there. And then the guy's like, so you like to hunt, right? And I was like, yeah. You like to fish? Yeah. Then you probably don't want to be a game warden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not that bad. You get some time out, but yeah, it's definitely pretty busy during the, those fall months. So, but it's yeah. rewarding. Yeah, I exactly. Love it. What, what do you think is the biggest challenge? The people. Yeah, it's always um, the people are the best part of the job. You know, I love talking to people, getting to know new folks, and just being friendly with folks and, and talking about their hunting trip, their fishing trip, whatever it is. I love that. But at the same time, people are sometimes the worst part of the job because you deal with people that are difficult or abrasive that, you know, maybe they're just having a, a, a tough day or that's just who they are. And so that, that makes the job a little difficult some days. So, But I'd say 95% of the folks that I talk to are just out enjoying their day, enjoying the outdoors, enjoying recreating in our, in our great state. So it's really, really rewarding. So what would you say as far as the day-to-day, you know, is the thing that gets you out of bed every day when you go into work? Is it the interactions with the anglers and talking to them about their fish and the hunters? Or is it some other aspect to that? I think it's, this is going to sound lame, but it's the <laughs> truth, I promise. <laughs> I think it's, it's um, that I have a duty to protect our wildlife. And I'm not from Wyoming, but I I can recognize how special this place is with the amazing outdoor opportunities we have with wildlife, with fishing, with camping, hiking, and the fact that I have the opportunity to to protect those resources for not only us, but future generations is gets me out of bed every morning. So that's, that's my answer. Yeah. I've got two kids, one on the way. I want to make sure when those, my kids are old enough to hunt and fish that these resources are still around. So that that's my answer well that i mean i can appreciate from elk regulation to walleye regulation to shed regulation to even predators you know you, the, these biologists work really hard to determine what is the healthy way forward and we need that enforcement arm you look at other countries i.e africa you know where they don't have enforcement they don't have wildlife right that's a fact and they go hand in hand so if, if you're out there not liking the enforcement officers you need to you need to kind of look in the mirror and see why that is it always cracks me up my favorite thing people say is well you know game and fish is only out there for the money well let me tell you if i was only out there for money i'd be doing something else (laughs) exactly we really care about the wildlife and it's very it's very important to us so yeah and the other thing too is like the people that get real abrasive i always ask them i'm like why like, why are you being abrasive <laughs> right. about it? Like, you're the first person to, like, get on someone's case when they're not doing the right thing. Right. Well, then what are you worried about if they come to check you? Like, as long as you're doing the right thing, right? <laughs> personal personal responsibility is a difficult thing sometimes, but yeah. that's all right. Yeah, and to your point, like, we all are dads, 
and we all have little kids and I have two that just completed hunter safety and are really excited about, you know, potentially going hunting this fall. We, we really have to pass it on and we have to do it in the right way. And we talk a lot about that on this show, but like teaching our kids how to hunt and fish ethically and doing it by the book. So I want, I'm going to segue that into this next question. So I'm sure, cause I've heard it even in interactions I've had with people I've fished with is, well, I didn't know that was a rule or I didn't know that that was the law. Talk a little bit about that and the, maybe the ignorance and maybe, you know, kind of the, how that doesn't work. Like, it, right. like you can't throw ignorance out as an excuse and kind of right. how important it is to understand. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'll be the first to admit that game and fish regulations can be confusing. You know, I understand that, you know, especially coming from Eastern states where they're maybe a little more simple, you know, they're a little more complex in Wyoming, but that doesn't give you an excuse to, to not be aware of the law and, and follow it appropriately. So, you know, whenever I do a hunter education class, I encourage people before you go out to fish, before you go out to hunt, you need to look through our regulation book and figure out what you need, you know, how to follow our laws and regulations. So you don't have to worry about big old mean game warden come out and, and messing with you. But, um, yeah, just, I don't know, 90, 99% of people are just trying to do the right thing. Um, and I recognize that and I appreciate it. So, so what if they don't understand something? What's the right course of action? Cause I do it, right. right. I call you, text you, but like, what, what's the right way to go about it? You need to figure that out before you go out and recreate, mm -hmm. you know, you know, we, you can call a game warden, you can call your regional office. You know, if you're around lander, call the lander regional office and get your questions answered before you go out and, and recreate so you know what the laws are that's that's the right answer you shouldn't be doing stuff and then looking back you know and saying well, i don't even know if that was right so it's funny how many people i check fishing that then ask me what creel limits are it's like <laughs> you know you should probably know that before you go out but mm -hmm. uh, it happens a lot but yeah just be educated you know about the law and that, for an example like i i called john probably two years ago and i said hey i got a question i'm gonna go fish at this location the creel limit's different than it is at my home location and the possession limit's different so how do i deal with that and right. you know those are some things that like if if you have questions about you don't you don't just go out there and assume you know the right answer you know i i don't think that that's the right way to handle it me personally especially with having a show it's like no you call and you say Hey, I don't understand this. Can you guide me? You right. know, because you guys are more than happy to do that. Right. If you call those ladies at the front desk and Lander, let me tell you, they're way smarter than I am. So they'll be able to answer your questions for you. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's important to follow the rules. And I, I think that it's, it's a lot of fun to have, you know, you here to talk about it because there is a lot of anglers, hunters that, you know, they just, haven't looked into it and right. you know maybe they've done it the way their dad did it or their mom did it or whatever and they're like well if they could do it then it's then it's okay and then they find out oh shoot right that wasn't exactly the right thing to do right yeah like you said just call us you know whoever it is game warden biologist you know our, our regional office just call us and and talk about it and get it figured out and i don't know would you tell a highway patrolman that 
you didn't know what the speed limit was. You know that that probably doesn't fly with them. And same same way with us. So. And, and those regulations are, are subject to change every year. So, right. So yeah. keep updated. You know, just because the limit was bag limit was this last year, right. doesn't mean it's going to be. And it's the, more this complex year. than speed limits. You know, I admit it. But it's still our responsibility as as outdoorsmen. You know, outdoors women as well to to follow those laws. So. So you talked about not being from Wyoming. So where right. are you from and kind of uh, what's your How much time do you have? Bit? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whole life story. I got to hear everything. Yeah. So I grew up in Louisiana, you know, as a big duck hunter there. Um, I moved to Kentucky, lived there for a while, um, went to school there for a bit and kind of messed around and was a history major for a while. And that obviously didn't work out. So <laughs> I uh, joined the army. I did, did that for about four years. Um, that put my wife and I up in in New York. Um, and after that, I got out, used my GI Bill at the University of Tennessee, graduated from there, and then got the job here as a game warden in Wyoming. But honestly, I didn't think I would have a chance here. You know, my wife and I took a camping trip to Wyoming in, a few years ago, 2018, I think, and just fell in love with the state, you know, and so I saw the job application and applied and thought I had no chance. And, but they said, come on. So I must have fooled them or something, but <laughs> man, we love it here. It's great. So it's awesome. This well, is a great community too. Riverton is, is a great place to be. So mm-hmm. I agree. I concur. So just, just keep up, the, <laughs> keep up the good, good work. Keep up, you know, keep going. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> any parting words like game and fish, game warden wisdom that you can give anybody? Right. Yeah, I know we talked about this earlier, you us three, but if you hunt and fish long enough, I've made mistakes. You know, I've broken laws. I've broken game and fish laws before as a game warden. Um, if you do that, you need to determine what type of person are you going to be? Are you going to be the guy that calls us and self-reports and we know we get it worked out and it's probably not a huge deal? Or are you going to be the guy that tries to hide their extra elk in the back of their truck and drive home like those are two very distinct people so you need to it's a choice it right. boils down right to the choice right so just determine what what kind of person you're going to be so i promise you if you call me and you know tell me you made a mistake your interaction with me is going to be so much different than if i come across you in the field and you didn't tell me so um yeah just be honest and we're very reasonable folks and we'll work with you and it's it's going to be okay i promise so <laughs> Well, it sounds like, you know, the, the majority of the violations are, are pretty much simple, you know, no parking passes, no ATV right. passes, yeah. no conservation stamps, right. you know. Right. So if you're if you're waterfowl hunting, you need to have your federal duck stamp. Right. right. If you're fishing, you need to have a fishing license. Right. If you're hunting, you better have your, your, your conservation stamp and your tag. And you know what? Make sure you're in the right unit and it's season. <laughs> these are these are pretty straightforward, simple things. Right. So, yep. you know, beyond that, yeah, we could get into the weeds. But for the most part, I think if you if you follow that basic advice of make sure your paperwork and documentation is correct and you're right. in the right area and it's the right time frame, you'll be all right. Every reg book tells you exactly what you need for each activity. So it just take a few minutes to study the regs and you'll be fine. Well, I will say living in Alaska, which their, their regulations are pretty convoluted because you have, they've broken the state into four sub-states, right? And each one of those is bigger than this whole state, right? So the, it took me a while to learn those regs. Right. These are more difficult. I, I will promise you that these are you, some days you got to be like type three, type nine, type one. What is, hold on, wait a second. You, you know, get your highlighter out, get your map out, figure out where you're going and what you're doing. The information's in there. You just have to dig a little bit. Well, and another point too is like, even if you've taken 
hunter safety at another state, you can still take it again here. Like there's no prohibition of enrolling and taking it again. And I would actually recommend anybody that is coming to Wyoming, you know, like if you've moved here and you took it in another state, come over and, uh, you know, do a class, right? You know, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that for sure. Yep. Yeah, and then it prints on your license, so it's even better. That's even better. <laughs> no, we stuck my uh, my ten year old just got through his hunter safety, and his mom went through him again, and I think he got ninety two on the test. Right, he was better good. than me. So that's good. <laughs> Probably better than I could do. <laughs> so I got to ask you this question: We ask almost all of our guests about it, but like, if you were going to go hunting for one thing in the state of Wyoming, what would it be? And then, if you were going to prepare and eat one of those things, what would it be? Does it have to be the same thing? No. It doesn't. Okay. No. All What's right, your I'm, favorite to hunt? Ducks. By far. Yeah. Probably because I like to pull the trigger a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you go hunt big game and you shoot once and that's kind of it. And hopefully you know, it's all the work starts, yeah. you know, you got to quarter it and everything. But yeah, man, I love duck hunting. It's okay. so, there's, to me, there's nothing more exciting than having ducks circling your decoys and uh, lightening your decoys, man. That's the best. That's cool. Well, favorite Pat, favorite thing to eat? is antelope by far okay so everyone heard that right so all three of us are in agreement because everyone who listens know that david and i love antelope the best too Mm -hmm. so you're you're in agreement with that i love it i think it's better than elk i have cooked a plate of cow elk backstrap and prepared and seasoned the antelope backstrap just the same way cooked on the same time same plate the antelope's always gone before the elk i love it you just got to get the skin off. You got to get it cooled down, and it's perfect. I love it. It's amazing. Yep. Field care and meat prep is important. Especially Let me tell you who doesn't like it. The guys that leave it in the back of their truck with the hide uh, still on when it's 70, uh, 80 degrees out. That's the guys that don't like it. I just <laughs> I don't understand why they go through all that effort just to ride it around the back of the truck so like that. I'm like, My oh. favorite is when they have that uh, hitch basket, you know, they wrapped in a tarp. Oh, <laughs> it's man. It's like cooking on the back of their truck. Oh. Gross. <laughs> now I'm grossed out. Yeah. <laughs> I can taste the nastiness yeah. right now. So one <laughs> tip trick that we've done and what we've started doing is if we can get a couple doe tags and buck tags, we go archery season and we go out there and camp and it's 90 plus right. degrees, right? We take three poles and make a tripod. Three 12 foot poles sticking out of the back of the truck, make a tripod. We quickly, wherever we harvest one, we're back to our camper, which is half mile from the water holes we're hunting. Hang that thing, skin it, quarter it. So now you're not trying to skin and quarter it on the ground and have coolers with ice right there. Yep. yep. I mean, that thing is in ice less than 30 minutes after yep. it was harvested. And oh, back, antelope backstrap, absolutely my favorite. Yep, I'm a- with you. Antelope burger makes the best tacos, makes the best. I mean, it's amazing, amazing meat. I just want to say we didn't plan this answer before. No, we did not. This is very I wasn't shocked, though, because I'm like, well, yeah, if you take care of an antelope, it's the best it's thing the you're going to put on the ground. Yep. They could be a little bigger, you know. Yeah, I wish they <laughs> had the amount of meat that an elk does. Yeah. Okay, that, that, well, let's, let's crossbreed an elk yeah. with an antelope. That, that would be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but there we go. Yeah, get with, get with UW to figure that one out. I don't, I don't know how that would work. It's above my head. So if you're going to prepare it, what's your favorite way to prepare it? Probably just cut up the back strap in a little in medallion steaks and sear it real quick, you know, and just salt mm-hmm. and pepper. I just like the taste of the meat, you know. I don't want too much, super good. too much like extra flavors on there. I want to taste the meat, you know. Yeah. So. Good call. I've of the dozens of antelope we've harvested as a household, you know, there's been one, one that was not good to eat, and that one was uh, was run a little bit further after the first shot right. and was a little bit harder. 
to put down. So I would clean, clean, efficient kills are important. hundred percent. Right? Uh, but I, and I don't know if that's a hundred percent attributed to that one. Cause we took care of it as well. But I think there is something to be said for lactic acid buildup in the muscles you know, right. that stress hormone. So, so you're telling me you practice with your rifle during the year? Is that normal? Or uh, yeah. I, you I just get it out, out once a year. I mean, what are you talking about? Da- yeah. Daily with the bow, and and yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't practice often. Ammunition's getting expensive you're and right, hard to gosh. get by. Yep. But I I've said this and I've on the podcast multiple times. The best thing to do is be four inch um, proficient with your rifle. Put a four inch circle there and just start backing up. And backing up and backing up, and wherever you pull one, one three-round group out of that four-inch circle, that's your max distance. Because you know antelope, mule deer, elk have a eight, ten, twelve-inch kill zone, but you're static on the range, not breathing hard, not winding, haven't been moving. So you're testing your equipment, not you. And that's my like with my bow, four-inch circle, fifty yards. That's and I will not shoot an animal over fifty yards with my bow. Now, can I shoot further? Oh, heck yeah. I mean, my pin's out to 120 yards. I don't recommend it. Same thing with my rifle. I can I can keep that four-inch circle at about 400 yards all day long. That's kind of my max number with my OT6 with hand loads. I'd prefer 200, but, you know, can the rifle perform at six, 700 yards? Yes. I can't when I've been hiking up a hill quick, right. heat of the moment, lay it over the fence, here's here's that animal streaming through and he stopped, look back, you're you're still breathing heavy trying to make that shot. Now are there people out there that can shoot further? Certainly, but what I've found for me is by actively reducing that distance and giving myself a hard limit, success rates go through the roof because I'm I'm making a four inch circle, not a twelve inch circle shot. Well, and to your point, John, you were talking about, you know, people are going to make mistakes. You make a lot less mistakes when you're closer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can identify the species at least, you know. <laughs> right. So some general tips. Don't shoot into a big herd of elk. Right. Right? Because yep. bad things happen. Bullets go through. One animal may go in and kill a second animal. Same with right. antelope. They group up real tight. Oh, yeah. That happens. And I'm sure that's pretty common. Yeah, it happens every, I mean, I run into it every year. But once yeah. again, just call us and we'll work it out. Yeah, so mitigate that by getting close. That certainly helps. I do have to uh, give kudos to Patrick. I I drug him out duck hunting this last fall (laughs) to a a very secret public land location that uh, is 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 not in Wyoming. Well, maybe it is, but anyways, (laughs) we didn't get an invite. We we limited in minutes. Didn't know. We didn't know you loved duck hunting. I think Patrick used almost one for one shells on ducks. After, oh, that's impressive. after like a decade of not duck hunting. Right. <laughs> now, we were putting them right in his face. They were committed, cupped up, landing on the iced pond. It I, made it pretty easy. I scouted this pond out the night before, right, and it was loaded with birds. It got cold, and we had about an inch of ice on the pond. I broke it out, and it refroze in the... We, we, we threw the decoys out. You know, I tromped out there, broke open water out, put the decoys in there, all froze back in by light. And the birds are landing on top of the ice looking at us before legal light. And I'm like, just just hold still. Yeah, we're just sitting there watching them land like, oh, come on. You knew come it was going to be a good on. morning. Oh, I, yep. I cannot yeah. wait till next year when we go back. So so if you could get a, a midday week off, we might. I'm You, you have to be a sworn to secrecy of where we go because this <laughs> pond is, is beyond amazing. Fair enough. But well, we can do the 
pre-work trip. Get right. you out there before work starts because yeah. that's what I did. I went back and went back to work. Yeah, we did. We, we were done by like yep. seven thirty or eight or whatever time it was. It was like boom, 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 done. That's a good day. So I had to shoot a few more shells than Patrick did. <laughs> once they started, the wind was whipping that day pretty good. Mm-hmm. And once they, you know, once they figured out what was going up and started cutting the wind and moving, I I wasn't swinging on those birds as well. But there, there's something about ducks too, man. They are fast. Like when they do hit that wind and they turn into it and utilize it, they're gone, they're man. Gone. Holy smokes, they get out of there quick. And yep. steel shots slow. Yep. It's just like, man, gone. Gone. <laughs> Bird is gone. But I will say on the on the same token is duck meat. Patrick took all those duck breasts and made high mountain seasoning pepperoni sticks and it was How amazing. Was it? Good? Oh yeah. We usually do the uh, jalapeno poppers with cream cheese wrapped in bacon. We love that stuff. That sounds good, too. Yeah, Yeah, the thing about it is duck is quite edible. Oh, it's great. People just forget that it's good. Well, it's not good if you throw it on the high-temp grill for 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. You got to work to make it, but it's good. And there's plenty of resources out there on how to cook it, right? Just like big game animals now. I mean, there's so many cookbooks. Like Mm -hmm. like I said, I, I love the Hank Shaw books. He's got a whole series on how to cook fish and birds and big game and all that. And then you got the Meat Eater Cookbook by Stephen Ranella and all these others. There's great resources. I mean, you can't go wrong with those, too. I've tried tons of those recipes, and they're awesome. Right, for sure. And you can't go wrong with High Mountain, either. I know John likes High Mountain seasoning smoked fish, too. Let me tell you. That stuff, that is, stuff good. is good. That stuff is good. David and I feasted on that stuff up in Alaska. We did a bunch of salmon that way. And, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's salmon, if it's, you know, your, Moose, your trout elk, out of poison, whatever, like... That gourmet fish brine is amazing. Mm-hmm. I was, I've said this on the podcast before. We had my, I lived there for a few years and I got recipes from, you know, traditional family, like 30 year recipes for smoked salmon. And I'm like, no, this is the creme de la creme. This is the best. You're not, <laughs> we're doing my recipe, right? My dad has his, no, we're doing my recipe. Patrick's got his. And then we pull out the old gourmet fish brine and we, we took, and we filled my dad's smoker. We did, you know, I don't know if it was fourth each, but we each... Something like that. We, we, we brined each little section and, you know, everybody did a couple pounds and we let it cool down. The next day we taste tested and that gourmet high mountain was head and shoulders. It was the crowd favorite. It was hands down. It won the taste test. I'm still waiting for Patrick to drop some more off at my house, but it hasn't happened. <laughs> One of these days. I gotta go fishing first. We're, we're, we're a long ways away <laughs> from an ocean. <laughs> You know, it's it's one of those things where I'm learning more and more, you know, with kids getting older, how little time I actually have. Right. Like, you know, last night we were at the ball fields. My daughter was playing softball. My son was playing baseball. My wife and I divided and conquered. It's just like we're always running somewhere. And so when we actually get that little bit of time to go fishing and doing those things, you just got to take advantage of it because it's so hard to find that time anymore. You know, Seth Ewing just did a blog article for us on mushroom hunting. He's a good friend of mine and friend of the show. Yeah, <laughs> he put in there probably the hardest thing to do in mushroom hunting is put time on the calendar because really it's all about getting up and getting out there. But that's the hardest thing is to fit that in. Like it's not hard to go get a knife and a bag and go up there and actually do it. It's it's finding the time to fit it into your schedule. Right. Minimal equipment, but uh, in a parting thought, what I would say is having just looked through a bunch of my photos on my phone, very few of them are from my property, right? Of the memorable photos that I would print, frame, and hang on the wall, very few of those photos are taken 
at home. So okay. get out and go do something, right? That's right. Whether it's just coming down to the ponds and taking the kids fishing and catching their first fish, right? right. That that photo will outlast, oh, I got to get the lawn mowed and I got to get the garage cleaned out and, oh, this, <laughs> this leaky water fix that. No, get out and go do something. Right. Yeah, I always figure you can do those chores, a lot of those chores, like especially the honeydews in the house when it's dark outside. Right. So spend your daylight outside if you can. It's amazing how often I show pictures of my wife, you know, holding fish or, or an antelope or the elk she killed this year. It's like, that's what I'm most proud of, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the fact that we get out and can do that stuff together. So you're 100% right. And you guys did really well this last year on elk. That, we got lucky. That was awesome. <laughs> you got to tell that story real quick. Yeah. So <laughs> we went up there a few days and, you know, I'm a terrible hunter, but I try, but we, uh, we went out one morning, we saw a nice group and we hiked, it had to been 10 miles, 10 or 11 miles, and we could just never get on them. And we walk all the way back to the truck and it's, you know, around noon and I'm all mad, you know, I'm just like, let's get out of here, you know. And my wife, God bless her, she says, I think we should go a little, you know, drive up the road a little bit and see if we see some more elk, you know. And I'm like, okay, you know, begrudgingly. And we, we drive maybe a quarter mile up the road and this group of four cows just crosses the road right in front of us and goes down to water on the, you know, on the river. And we just go down there and shoot too. So it's, it's great. <laughs> That's the way to do it though. I you mean, know, at least we did all the effort in the morning, you mm-hmm. know, all the hiking. And then we were rewarded, I guess. <laughs> it's always nice to have a shorter pack haul, you know, to, right. to get it out of there. So right. that worked out pretty well. Yeah. They, God provided. <laughs> yes. And now you got meat in the freezer, right? Exactly. So good stuff. Too. Good stuff. We've been flying through it. So yeah, that's great. Well, just real quick for everybody, a reminder, if you can help out at the rendezvous uh, ponds and help us with the fish cleanup, we need you signed up by the 25th. You can go to ragcastoutdoors.com. It's from nine to noon on the 27th. Lunch is provided. We'll have a nice giveaway and we're going to have a lot of fun. We'd so. love to see you there. Yeah. It's, it'll be great. Yeah. Well, cool, John. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks for having and, me. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure we'll have you on again at some point. Get some good stories. You may not want to. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awesome, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to the Radcast Outdoors podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. If so, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast and subscribe, share, and give us a five-star rating, which really helps other people find the show. You can find all of our shows, recipes, giveaways, videos, and much more at ragcastoutdoors.com. While you're there, please help support the show by purchasing a Radcast Outdoors shirt or hat. Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We also have a Radcast community on Facebook called Radcast Nation, and we'd love for you to join in the conversation there. And of course... Please help support our sponsors who make this show possible. Thank you again to PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Until next time, get out there and enjoy the outdoors.